0: That is our constant invitation, Lord God, not just when we gather together on a Sunday, but when we wake up on Monday morning as we go through our day, Lord God, as we lay our head down on a pillow at night, Lord, as we get on the subway or a bus or in our car, at school, on the job, meeting with family, our, our prayer is that, Lord, you would fill us with your presence, Because without your presence, oh God, we're lost, and we don't know what to do, and we don't have the power to give great glory to your name. So Lord, I pray in this time, in this moment, as we come before your word, Lord God, that your spirit would be moving among us, Lord God, as we open your word and look what you have to say to your church. Oh God, be among us. And Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for each and every one of us. We pray it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's jump right into the reading of God's word today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read together the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's just jump in and read. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know It is the same work, God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are at work at one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Lord. Speak your word to our hearts and glorify your name in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I had a nice little uh, sermon introduction prepared, but I don't think I'm going to use the one I have prepared um, because I-, I-, I want you to hear my heart in a very particular way um, this place, not New Life in particular, but the church in our country, and, and in New Life in some ways, is on fire. It, and, and I'm not talking right now about the fire of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm talking about the fire that destroys. I'm talking about a fire that leaves in its wake destruction and, 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 and nothingness. I'm talking about the kind of fire that we have to put out with all diligence. Talking about the fact that uh, across our country, and we've even experienced here at New Life, younger people are leaving the churches in droves. People are leaving the church. They're leaving the faith. They're seeking something else. They don't have confidence that the church is a place where they'll be loved by Jesus Christ and by God's people. They don't have confidence that the church is a place where I can come with a thousand different questions that may sound crazy to people who've been walking with the Lord for a while and it's okay. The church has become for many people a place where if you've got doubts, you got to stuff it way down because it's not safe to doubt in the church. I want to ask you a question. When did Peter get saved? When did John get saved? My answer to that question is I have no idea. But Jesus said to some people, jacked up fishermen come follow me jesus did not say here i've got a list of 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 things that you have to be able to check off you've got to think this this and this and if you check the right boxes come follow me that's not what he said and that's not what the church of jesus christ needs to say today we need to say come on in you're questioning great you think this great you 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 don't know what to make of Christianity at all come join us we're gonna love you right where you are because that is what God believe it or not has done with you and he's done with me he said come come I will love you I will you Restore you. I will lead you and guide you into what you need to know. You don't check a box because you know it already. Brothers and sisters, we're starting a series on the gifts of the Spirit. And today we are talking uh, from the subject introduction to spiritual gifts. Um, And and I want to say this. Most of you know, I I, I love the Bible a lot. I I study the Bible, and God graced me to be able to uh, learn how to study it in Hebrew and in Greek, the original language that it was written in. And I do that every week of my life. I'm in The scriptures in the original languages. I'm comparing versions. I'm looking at all kinds of things. And I believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is absolutely necessary and powerful and needed desperately by the church. We've got to get our Bible IQ up. Amen? But, brothers and sisters, you can have your Bible IQ on steroids. Without the working of the Spirit of God in your life, it's not going to come to any real effect. We need word and spirit together. And that is what I believe God wants to do in a unique and powerful way here at New Life Church. I don't know where I'm at in my sermon right now. <laughs> amen. 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 So so I want to at least start today. I don't want to take very long today. But I want to at least to start to talk about what spiritual gifts are a little bit and just to introduce you to it, there's two basic views of spiritual gifts. You can put the first one up there. The first one is the cessationist view. That means that some of the miraculous gifts that you see in the New Testament, things like healings and miracles, things like prophecy and word of knowledge and tongues, this this view believes that those certain gifts ceased at the end of the first century or thereabouts, when the Bible was completed or when the apostles died off the scene, that those gifts were no longer uh, extant. In other words, they ceased. They're cessationists. And there are a lot of people who are going to burst heaven wide open and love Jesus as much or more than me that believe that, and that's okay. Maybe some of you are here right now. I want to say this and be super clear about it. This uh, subject is not a gift, it's not a subject that should divide believers, it should bring believers together. And it's not a primary thing, we're not saying, is Jesus Lord or not? If that's a question where, depending on how you answer that, you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. But on this question of gifts, you can answer it different ways, and, and you can be a Christian in good standing, a lover of Jesus Christ. So let me be super careful about that. We've been going through some controversy with the PCA on that. There are those who believe differently and believe that, that this view that I'm about to talk about may be dangerous, may undercut the word of God. I'm hoping that over these next few weeks we'll be able to show you that we don't believe that in any way it, it, it undercuts the word of God. But as a matter of fact, because we get everything we're going to be teaching from the word of god it is a way for people to see god more clearly but brothers and sisters when the house is on fire we cannot be twiddling our thumbs about whether we're going to use a red hose or a blue hose we need a hose we need something to put out that fire and it's funny using that analogy because we need the fire of the holy spirit We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in the church of God, along with his word, in order to do his work in the world. So the second view, the second view is the continuationist view. That's what I'm going to be, and we will be, Pastor Tim as well, in this series talking about, and that is simply this, that all the spiritual gifts that are listed in the New Testament continue even in the present age. not trying to freak out my wife there. I'm just trying to grab some water. So all of these gifts, and we believe that that is a biblical understanding. We get that from no other place than the Bible. Now, look, I understand there's a whole lot of reasons why people don't believe that. And I understand most of those reasons. Reason one, it's not going to be up on the board, but reason one is that In the name of spiritual gifts, in the name of charismatic, in the name of Pentecostal people have seen a lot of crazy stuff. They have seen and heard and witnessed prophetic words that don't make any sense at all and did not come from God. We have been in places where people would say all of the spiritual gifts are at work among us and I would say Well, maybe all but one, there is no discernment in this place. People can say anything and say this came from God, and no one can question that as we read through the scriptures in the coming weeks, we'll see that there is a place for discernment and judgment of prophetic words that the church has to take a stance on. Anything crazy that goes out is not necessarily from God. And so we want to exercise spiritual gifts in a way that honors god the other big reason that people really struggle with this is the thought that somehow if some of these gifts are still available to the church somehow that knocks the bible down a notch We don't need the bible as much or the fear is it even replaces the bible there's 66 books in our Bible. And, they, and some folks fear that this will be the 67th that will trump the other 66. That is not the case. It must not be the case. Brothers and sisters, we need the power of the spirit along with God's word to do what he has called us to do. Now let me, I just want to say two more brief words before I get into this definition piece. And that is this, that what I'm uh, talking on today is not just uh the my own personal position but it is something that we have talked about uh as the elders of this church so this is the position of new life church elders in terms of the continuity uh, of spiritual gifts in this age and second of all i hope you get this already that i am and we are absolutely committed to the bible as the word of god amen so let's jump in basic definition of spiritual gifts first one spiritual gifts are god-given supernatural abilities that enable people to honor christ more effectively and build up his church and that's my own like mini definition of what spiritual gifts are there's a second definition up here by sam storms and i'll recommend a couple of his books to you today but his i love his definition He says spiritual gifts are concrete disclosures of divine activity and only secondarily human activity. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression of the way we do ministry. I love this last part. Gifts are God going public among his people. Now look, there's all kinds of spiritual gifts there's many kinds of gifts things like administration and helps are spiritual gifts faith giving is a spiritual gift the 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 bible talks about a lot of different ones we're going to focus on two over the next few weeks so we're not trying to comprehensively give you everything about spiritual gifts but I want you to understand this: that when God moves in certain ways in the supernatural, it is a way of Him manifesting His presence in an undeniable way among His people or to others, to reach others as well. So let's just look at a few things about these these gifts. The next slide, you can put up all the things at once. So number one, aspects of this definition. Number one, there are many gifts, and I've. Listed scriptures out there that have some of the different gifts of the Spirit. There are a wide variety. I don't believe necessarily that there's anywhere in the Bible that is trying to say, here is the comprehensive list of all the gifts that there are. I don't think that that's true. There could be other gifts as well, as long as they are in concert with the Bible and with the Holy Spirit. But there are many, many gifts. Secondly, Holy Spirit is sovereign over these gifts. In chapter 12 that we just read in verse 4, the scripture talks about uh, these gifts. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. So the spirit gives out gifts for particular reasons. And then in verse 7, I love this phraseology. It says, now to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So in verse 7, it talks about a manifestation. The word means disclosure or announcement. In other words, this is God going public. God is manifesting himself in a particular way. His power, his love, his knowledge, God manifests himself in a way to reach people with that love. And then thirdly, the gifts are given to glorify God and build up his people. To glorify God and build up his people. At the end of verse 7, it says these gifts are given for the common good. In other words, God doesn't give spiritual gifts for someone to show up and show off and say, Look what I can do. I can speak in tongues. I have a prophetic word. Listen to me. I'm a prophet. The, the, the spiritual gifts are given, distributed by the Holy Spirit to the church in order to build up the church. I love that word, build up. It's also used in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, and in Ephesians chapter 4, the word is oikodome And it's a word, it's a compound word. Oikos means household or house. And then dome means build. So that word is used commonly in the Greek for building a house. But God uses this word about spiritual gifts in the church. In other words, he's saying God is distributing gifts to build up the family of God so that the family is healthy, so that the family is strong, so that those members who are still on the outside, we want to welcome you in. And God uses these gifts to do exactly that. So just a few things to look at. If you go to the next slide, why are these gifts so important? Why are spiritual gifts so important? Number one, spiritual gifts act as thin places. What do I mean by that? What I mean is what I've been talking about already. Spiritual gifts are a way that God, we know that God is transcendent. God is the great God. He is the mighty God. But we also know Christian theology is different than any other theology you'll see out there because the one true great and mighty God is also the God who is imminent, the God who gets right here in relationship. The God who draws near, and when spiritual gifts manifest themselves in a certain way, you understand the imminence of this loving god let Let, let me put it this way you don 't have to teach a newborn to love mother 's milk right? I hope you don 't now sometimes there 's issues, but for the most part, newborns are. Built, they are created, they are made in such a way that mother's milk is what they like. Put some broccoli in front of a newborn. It's not gonna work out so well, right? Christians were made to be able to draw near to God, to see God, to experience God as He manifests Himself through His Spirit. It's natural in its supernaturalness, amen. The supernatural God comes to us, but because we are stamped as image bearers of the living God, that is something that we are naturally drawn to. This is an interesting thing that uh, among younger people, there is a rise in occult spirituality. There is a rise in finding God through different means and through the occult and different things. And many times we just look at that, we shake our heads say, Those young people, they don't know what they're doing. And maybe in one sense that's true, but in another sense, this is what's true. They are longing for the imminence of the living God. So spiritual gifts being manifested among the people of God are one way that people see the tangible reality of God, the thin places. Secondly, spiritual gifts call us to acknowledge our utter dependence upon God. We come from a wonderful, God-honoring, powerful uh, 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 people and and tradition of Reformed Christianity, the Great Reformation that happened in the 16th century and on, uh, a marvelous rediscovery of many of the core doctrines of the Bible in terms of It is by grace alone that we are saved through faith. It's not through anything that we'll ever do. We are spiritual descendants of the 16th century reformers, those of you who are Christians in this room. And thanks be to God for that. But one potential downfall, particularly in the reformed tradition, is that we can get so much in our heads. It's, it becomes many times all about knowledge and knowing enough and knowing more and growing in this knowledge that is often theoretical. And God wants to say, get down in the dirt with me and let's do some stuff together. And so spiritual gifts call on us to acknowledge that all of our wisdom, all of our learning, all of our stuff is not enough. God, we need you to show up. Thirdly, spiritual gifts demonstrate God's power. The church, Christian church in the United States, is actually getting smaller now. There are less people who name themselves as Christians of any stripe than there were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in terms of the percentage of our population. It is actually getting smaller. And so we tend to think many times when we think of the church, we think of this shrinking church, but brothers and sisters, that's not all the news. The church is exploding in other parts of the world. In Latin America, the church is exploding. In Asia, the church is exploding. In Africa, the church is exploding. In 1900, there were 9 million people on the continent of Africa that called themselves Christians. I just read another number the other day. It said by the year 2000, there were 380 million people that called themselves Christians. And within the next few years, that number will be well over 600 million people calling themselves Christians in Africa alone. And much of what God is doing uh, in, in expanding his church in the global south is through pentecostal and charismatic versions of the church in other words places where the spiritual gifts are seen and manifested in power in the 1970s demographers say that about six percent of christians worldwide were charismatic in some way or pentecostal right now That number is at least 25%, and it is growing fast. In 1900, it was almost nothing. So God is growing his church, sometimes through demonstrations of power and through through understanding things that you could not understand on your own, but God reveals things to his people. So this is why this is so important. So let me get quickly to four misconceptions of spiritual gifts we've already talked about the first one they undercut the word of god people believe that and that is because sometimes people believe that if i give a prophetic word and we'll talk more about that in coming weeks or a word of knowledge or wisdom that it that almost goes out as if it is the word of god itself and it ain't that it is not the bible so in other words if i say i believe god is saying this that or the other thing that is binding on no one it ought to be understood it ought to be confirmed is this truly what god is saying or not it does not replace the word of god secondly people receive these gifts regardless of their belief about them that's a misconception and i'll talk more about that in a moment uh, god is sovereign in the giving of gifts But we'll talk more about what his sovereignty looks like. Thirdly, the more gifted you are in terms of especially certain spiritual gifts, then the more spiritual you are. I know in some places, if you don't speak in tongues, you're hardly a Christian. You may be a Christian. In other places, if you do speak in tongues, how could you be a Christian, right? Um, but, But the reality is that your spiritual gifting doesn't make you more or less spiritual than another christian it just makes you a person who has received certain gifts from god so someone with the the gift of helps that you may never see up here on a sunday morning is not less spiritual than someone with the gift of teaching or prophecy right so the spirituality connection more gifted more spiritual is just not true and Fourthly, gifts don't really matter that much. Brothers and sisters, I beg to differ from that statement. We need to encounter God in all of his goodness, in all of his mercy, in all of his power. And part of that is understanding and living with spiritual gifts. So let me get to the last piece here. I have three slides on this. How do we move forward as a church? as we're learning about spiritual gifts, firstly, we eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, we already looked at uh, the 11th verse of 1 Corinthians 12 that tells us that the Spirit is the one who distributes them just as He wants to. That is the sovereignty of God at work. But look at the end of chapter 12, the last verse says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then the beginning of verse, uh, of chapter 14, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. God calls his people to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, this is something that I have had to repent of over the the course of time that I've been your pastor here at New Life. I came here believing as a continuationist that all the spiritual gifts exist and are in his church. But I also came here just content with not doing much about it at all. And as I've been pushed and prodded in the process that we've gone through, God has brought me back to these verses where We are actually commanded, the the, the verse in 14.1, 1 1 Corinthians 14.1, the word there, zelao, is given as not uh, an instruction simply to follow or not simply as a good idea, but it is a command from God to us. First to the Corinthian saints, but now to us as well, that we will eagerly desire. The word means to strive, to desire, to exert oneself earnestly, to be dedicated. In other words, God is saying, press into me, and I want you to get every gift that I have for you, not to build up yourself, but to build up my church and the name of Jesus in this world. He calls us to earnestly desire the gifts. Next on there, if you don't believe in prophecy, you're probably not going to operate in it. Right now, God is sovereign. He can give any gift to anyone that he wants. But if we have a church and we're taught these gifts don't operate, these gifts were for the time of the apostle, these gifts uh, don't belong here. Someone asked me a while back, how come we hear all these great stories on the mission field, but we don't see much at all here on our own soil? And part of that is because our worldview, by and large, as Americans and as Western educated Christians rules out the spiritual in so many ways I preached on this last summer so this is the idea that if, if if we understand the gift that God has for us then we ask God to give it to us and we recognize it when he does and so lastly here move move to the next slide how do we move forward we learn more about spiritual gifts so We need to be people of the word of God, immerse yourself in God's word, immerse yourself in the New Testament, immerse yourself in the gospels. You will see God at work through his spirit over and over again. Read the history of the early church in the book of Acts, read through it, see what God does. And I just want to say this. If we say, well, we don't need that anymore. Look at where we are right now. We need the power of God as much as any generation has ever needed the power of God. But we want to do it in a way that honors God. And look, it it might seem wacky sometimes. I get that. But we want to do it in a way that honors God and is tied to his word. So read the scriptures. Read the Gospels. Read all those things. Secondly, not only that, but read some good books on spiritual gifts. I have some that I'm recommending that are up there because there is a lot of stuff all over the place uh, about spiritual gifts. And I would like you to read some things that I think are deeply grounded in the Word of God and will instruct you well on how to understand and how to, to learn about and then even how to live out these spiritual gifts. The last book that's on there by Jack Deere, I always want to call him John Deere, but by Jack Deere, goes through some church history, and it's very interesting. It even talks about the Scottish Reformations john knox samuel rutherford some of you know those names and others who were primary people in reforming the doctrine of the church and it talks about the prophetic gifts and the spiritual gifts that these men had and how that has largely been written out of our history but it's there it's there how do we move forward the last thing brothers and sisters we need to fast and pray y'all be like Pastor Larry, I said, y'all be like, I'm sorry, but Pastor Larry, you're always talking about fasting and prayer. Why is that? Here's why. Because the house is on fire. Because people are dying. Because people are leaving the, the incredible love of God and running away. And we don't know how to run after them. We don't know how to hug them and draw them in. We don't know how to love them well. And we need to be a people who are fasting and praying and beseeching God. God, will you turn this around now? Will you use me? Will you use my small group? Will you use my church? Will you use any gift you want to give me, Lord God, in order to reach a people that need you desperately? Yeah, yeah. We become a people who fast and pray. Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you and in Luke's version of that same sermon on the mount and that same verse he says for why will God withhold his Holy Spirit from you and the asking the seeking and the knocking in those verbs that God used in his scripture are verbs that say ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock Until you knock the door down. God is calling us to a spiritual fervency to seek after him because he wants to do something among us. Last thing that you can move through those. Yeah, just everything on that slide. Frequent and fervent fasting. Fasting is declaring your hunger for God is greater than your hunger for this world. Fasting is not about what I don't get. Fasting is about what I need more than what my stomach says I need. Secondly, fasting is not denying your appetite, but developing your appetite. I want to want God more. I want to desire God more than I desire that plate of food right there. And and thirdly and lastly here. Fasting is feasting on God instead of feasting on food. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn more. We need to fast and pray more. We need to develop. We need to ask God to help us to see this world the way he sees it. Break our hearts, God, for those who don't know you break our hearts god for those who feel like they've been pushed out of the church because they don't fit break our hearts god and call us to repent where we have done things that tell people no matter what the sign says on every church all are welcome we have a way sometimes of saying but not really god get rid of our not really make it real Let me close with this. We're past time. There's a lot of misinformation about the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of crazy stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. So that causes some to dismiss any modern-day talk of some of these gifts out of fear, out of loss of control. You know, I can control studying this thing and parsing the verb and getting it right, I can't control where the spirit goes. Amen? Jesus said to Nicodemus, the spirit, the wind blows where it wants. <laughs> we, we, can, we can make a perfect sailboat. It's Everything is precise. It is a perfect sailboat, but you can't make the wind make that thing go. We need God. So some are just afraid of those things. On the other hand, There are others who tout and proclaim Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. But they're not tied to the Word of God. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is not a narcissist? Did you know that? He doesn't come to make everybody talk about the Holy Spirit. He comes and points to Jesus Christ. The Spirit is working in our midst. You're going to hear more about Jesus than anything. But we want to be a place, new life, an expression where the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are working together to produce powerful transformation in the lives of people. I long to see an expression of the body of Christ where spiritual gifts are used in a God-honoring, biblical way, where there's biblical discernment and maturity so that people are truly built up in Christ to maximize God's glory. Brothers and sisters, as we teach through this and as we walk through this, I'm asking you to join together on that journey that we will be this unique, crazy church at the corner of Roosevelt Boulevard and D Street that is all about the word of God and all about the move of the spirit. But in all of that, we are people who are becoming more like Jesus Christ and our hearts break for what his heart breaks for. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much that when you ascended into heaven before you ascended you told your disciples over and over again I'm not going to leave you as an orphan and when they said don't go, don't go I don't want this cross thing you said it's better for you that I go because if I go then I'll send you my spirit Lord your word says at one point in, in John's gospel that the Spirit was with the disciples in the person of Jesus, but in that day, the Spirit will be in you, Oh God. You place your Spirit in your people. You pour out your gifts on your church so that your name will be glorified. Let that be true here, oh God, in a greater and greater way. Have your way. Glorify your name and be exalted in all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen.